0: can't emphasize it enough well, happy New year. another year's gone by, and i 'm another year older because my birthday falls right after new year's day, ten days after Christmas, and you know what that means? Yes, I got ripped off every Christmas. <laughs> Anybody else have a birthday on or near Christmas that close, right? How many times this gift is for Christmas and your birthday. And we get gypped every single year of our lives. And in case you don't know, we just got through 2019, and in case you don't know what year it is, I have a short video that tells you. She's saying some some things there. And this twenty 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 and this is twenty 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 twenty. This is twenty 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 and this is twenty 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 and this is twenty 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 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. It's about that awkward time now, isn't it? 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. And this is 20... I think you get the picture. It's 2020. And like Jerry Reed said so many years ago, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And coming out of Christmas, a few of you Uh, Probably opened some Christmas presents and and I hope Here's what didn't happen, but my experience tells me that this may have happened There may have been a present that you opened up this year and What you thought was like, oh man, you shouldn't have And what you really thought was really seriously you, you really shouldn't have It was the vacuum cleaner you didn't ask for It was the tie you're never gonna wear it was the socks that wouldn't even fit when you tried to put them on. And at this point in your life, you had to make a decision. What group of people are you going to fall into when you get that gift? You're either going to become an exchanger or a reluctant holder honor. How many of you, And I'm asking for a little bit of participation, remember this isn't a monologue, it's a dialogue. I need your reactions. How many of you, when you get a present that's a little bit... Mm, let's say, underwhelming, you would say, you know what? I know that person would want me to be happy, so I'm going to take it back and exchange it for something that I would really want and would make me happy. Anybody? People want you, yeah, yeah, right? You're going to take it back. They want you to be happy. It's okay. On the other side, how many of you go, you know what? I wish I could even be in that group. I just can't do it because I care about that person's feelings, So it goes in the closet, and if they ever come to visit, what do you do? You pull it out, you put it on. Yeah, you love people. It's okay. God wants you to love people. But you know when you don't get to make that choice? When you're a kid. Because when you're a kid, you get what you get, and you don't throw a thank you. Every single year starting when i was a little kid i experienced that and i'm sure a lot of you did too because i knew i was getting at least one present that i wasn't going to be really excited about usually it was in a box about this size about this wide like that not an odd shaped box how many know that odd shaped boxes are the best boxes right there's something cool in here but you get that rectangular box no clanking no clunking just the gentle shh, shh, of something close. And every single year, you would get the shirt. My friends were getting remote controlled cars and video games and cool stuff, CD players. And, and and every year, I remember, I would get some of that stuff, but, but every year I would get the shirt. And I actually brought a photo of myself in one of those shirts get ready that's a great reaction thank you and i wasn't even from i'm not even a steelers fan back then and some of you are saying i know right now looking at that bro the shirt's not the only problem in that picture (laughs) but it does answer a few questions you might have had about me the one question it doesn't answer is this anyone who's met my wife often asks me this question like man she's super smart she's so beautiful bro how did you get her to marry you how did you even get her to go out with you in the first place and let me tell you all i know is i don't know but god is good and i'll tell you this that guy didn't meet that girl (laughs) because if it did that would have been something amazing but that answers the that answers the question of how did you get her to marry you god is good that's the only thing i got So I get this this shirt every year. And I'm sure you guys get it too. And we've all been in that situation where we open the box and we think, oh man, I wish this was something different. I wish I could change what was in this box. Yeah, I wish I got what, what she got or what he got. But my question for you today is this. Not only have you ever felt that way when you open up a Christmas present, but do you ever find yourself looking in the mirror and maybe saying something similar? I wish I could kind of change what's on the inside. I wish I was a more patient person. I wish I was a more patient parent. I wish I was—I could do better at my job. Or, or I knew I w- I, one thing that I struggle with, and—and and this is your pastor being as transparent as I can. I wish I knew more about God's word. Maybe I wish I was more like him or more like her. Had this talent. And so, what I want to talk about today is. An, I think God's Word has something to say to us, to those of us who have felt that way when we look in the mirror. And what I'm going to talk about is today is, how do we cause change and listen to what God has for us? Because God has already given us, the title of my sermon this morning, 2020 vision. God has already given us 2020 vision. As we step into a new year, uh, here's what statistics tell us. of us will make a resolution i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand But a lot of us make these decisions saying oh this year is going to be different i'm going to and you fill in the blank right 60% of us will make a resolution And that's just saying that I want to change something about myself about my life But change is hard because only 25% of us will even make it 30 days How many know that gym memberships go up in the month of january every year? And, and you see it everywhere. Oh, I'm going to sign up. This is going to be my year. But only 8% will actually reach the goal you set out for because change is hard. I want to be super clear this morning that as we start, if you recognize that there's a gap in your life that you think might sink your boat in 2020, if we can refer back to last week's sermon, if you don't address it, it would be wise to address these gaps. And we're going to talk about something that God has been showing me in my life over the last few years probably. And I think it can help you as you step into a new year. And in doing so, we're going to look at the scripture this morning. We're going to look at the Bible at two guys. Because these two guys share some similarities. These two guys have some key differences in their life, but they also have some similarities. And the first guy is a guy named Saul. Now Saul was the first king of Israel. You Bible students, you're familiar with the the name Saul, right? This is the Saul of the Old Testament. His story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, your apps, you can get into 1 Samuel chapter 9. That's the the first guy we're going to look at. The second guy is David. David was the second king of Israel. And and what you're going to see is as the stories start, they're very, very similar. They're so similar. And there's three truths that are about that are both about true about Saul and about David. As we begin their stories, and when we're introduced to Saul, a little backstory. Here's what's happening. His family has lost some donkeys. Anybody relate? No? No one? If Lee Hansen were here, he would tell you about a time, and I'm sure he's listening online. Good morning, Lee. He would tell you about a time that a cow got loose. And a cow got loose and started wandering around up here on eighteen, crossed the golf course. And they never did find it. I don't know how you lose a cow. but you, oh, Just here a minute ago. Saul has lost some donkeys in his family. He's gone out to, to, with some other people to look for their lost donkeys. And they've not been successful in finding them when Saul has this idea. And his idea is this. That there's a prophet of God who lives nearby. His name is Samuel. I'll go to his house. And I'll ask Samuel, hey, Samuel, do you know where these donkeys are by chance? So he shows up at Samuel's house and he knocks on the door. And Samuel meets him and says, I have a message of God for you. And here's the message from God in 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1. If you have it, say amen. That helps. Samuel the prophet says this. It says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel. His special possession. So Saul shows up looking for lost donkeys. But Samuel says, God wants me to deliver this message to you. And he wants you to have the keys to the kingdom. Imagine looking for lost donkeys. And then the prophet said that God wants you to be the first king over his people, Israel. So that's Saul. David shows up about six chapters later in 1 Samuel. His story starts with him looking for not lost, not lost donkeys, but instead he's watching over his family's sheep and goats because David's profession, he was a shepherd. And Samuel, the very same prophet who just anointed Saul so many, time, many months and years ago, has, shows up at David's house looking for the second king of Israel. Because that's where God told Samuel to go. He got there and he met the seven siblings of David who were at home. But each time he said, this guy? No, that's not the one. How about this one? No, that's not the one. Who has God chosen to be the second king? They run out of kids and he said, have you ever had, had, do you have anybody left at all? And they said, well, there's David, but he's out in the field watching the sheeps and the goats. David walks into the house. Saul says, Samuel says, go and get him. David walks into the house, and here's what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 16, in verse 13. It says, so David stood there among his brothers, and Samuel took a flask of of olive oil. Sound familiar? He had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. You see, in these stories, we're introduced to Saul and David. And three truths begin to stand out about their lives. Follow along with me, and I'll bring it all back here at the end. David and Saul. Three truths that were true of David and Saul. First of all, they were called to it. They're called to these things that God has set forth. Both David and Samuel have a calling on their life. God has a purpose for these two gentlemen. And it's clear because they're anointed with oil and they're told that God wants you to be king over Israel. They're called to it. Secondly, they were gifted for it. Gifted for it. Gifting in the Bible means that God gifts you to carry out the calling that he's placed on your life. And it says in both stories that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon them. God gave them what they needed to be who he called them to be. So they were called to it. They were gifted for it. And lastly, others could see it. Others could see it. Samuel the prophet could see it. The rest of Israel could see it. That there was a calling, there was a purpose, there was something on these fellows' lives And we were told that Saul on his way home, the Spirit of God came powerfully on him. He began to prophesy and people who passed by him could see the hand of God, the thumbprint of God on his life. And they said, what? Is Saul one of the prophets too? They could see that just God had purpose. God was all over this guy, Saul. And we just read where it said the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David too. And everybody recognized it. In fact, one day Saul is looking for somebody to help him. And one of the servants says, I know a guy. He says he's a great musician. He's a man of war. He's a leader. He's good looking. And the Spirit of God is all over this guy. He was talking about David. Why? Because others can see when God has gifted somebody. Others can see it. And it's easy to see it. When God has gifted someone, it's easy to see that. Some of my pray, favorite favorite preachers, I mean I, I just have a select few hundred that I really like to listen to. and i think sometimes, man if I could preach like that or maybe we look at someone who plays sports and we think, boy if I could just play like that, let you in a little secret, that kid that was in that picture a little while ago, a few years after that picture was taken, I tried out, please hold your laughter, I tried out for the school basketball team. Asked you to hold that. But I was in junior high, I was in seventh grade, and and, and shocker, uh, not the varsity team, another shocker, not even the JV team. But you know that intramural team that really didn't mean anything that would just appease short little white kids like me. And I remember a kid named Willie. And Willie, man, Willie could shoot. I don't know why he wasn't. He just needed something to do. But Willie could shoot. And I remember Willie, he, could st- he would stick his tongue out and just make that shot. You know, like Michael Jordan used to just stick the tongue out. And he would make that shot. He had all the moves all the between the feet and all. I'm like, man, he had the swagger. So I would line up. I'd stick my tongue out, a little four foot tall of me. And I would airball that thing every time. I don't know, the, 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 the backboard just looked like it was closer to Willie. When I got lined up, it looked like it was forever. And I'd airball that thing. But I look back at that and I realize that God gifts certain people certain gifts, and my gift clearly was not basketball. But it's so easy for us, isn't it, to look at someone else and see the thumbprint of God on their life and say, man, God has gifted that person. We don't have to look that far, right? In, in, in popular culture, uh, we look at someone like Mother Teresa, right? And we look at her and say, well, God's obviously gifted her to serve people. We look at people like Martin Luther King Jr. and God gave him a gift to inspire and to motivate action. It's easy to look at someone and see that God has gifted them. So why is it so hard for us as followers of Christ to look in the mirror and see that God has gifted us too? The title of my sermon, God has already given us 2020 vision. Why is it so hard for us to look into the mirror and see God's thumbprint on our life? He's gifted us just as He gifted David and Saul in the Old Testament. But instead, a lot of times we look in the mirror in our life and we see what? We see every single gap or shortcoming in our lives sometimes. And the problem is, if we fixate on those gaps, we fail to even see the gifts that God's given us. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, there are three things that were true about Saul and David. But if you follow Jesus, the things that were true about Saul and David are true of you too. I'll say it this way. As a Christ follower... The three truths that are true of you. Number one, you're called to it. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to it. God has put a calling on your life. Jesus didn't just save us from our sins. That would have been enough. But Jesus also saved us for a purpose. He's given you a purpose to walk this earth. And a new year 2020 message that I would have for you this morning. God has called you for purpose. And some of you are going, yeah, pastor, I know, I've heard it. And that sounds great. But I just settled for a job, not a calling. And what I'm not talking about this morning is your career, your vocation. I'm not talking about what you, what you, what you do for a living, so to speak. I'm talking about something deeper, something that's called your calling. What purpose has God placed you here for? As followers of Christ, if you made that decision, we share some similar callings. One of those callings is to follow Jesus, right? God calls us to follow Him. To become more like Jesus, because at some point, you had an encounter with God, and Jesus said, get up and follow me. And if you're not a follower of Christ here this morning, maybe you're here today to answer that call. There are some similar calls that we have. You might be here to hear that call this morning, and to answer it, and you say, okay, it's my time to get up and follow Him. But not only do we have the the calling to follow Jesus, we also have the calling as followers of Christ to love God and to love others. They said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? The, The disciples and the crowds were constantly. Jesus, question after question after question. And finally they asked him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second greatest is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're all called to love God and to love others. We're called. We're called to make disciples. The Bible says, Therefore go into all the nations making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, the Word says, to obey everything I've commanded you. Say so God, Pastor, I can't make disciples. I don't even know what a disciple is. Disciple just means follower or student of. And to make them, you just teach them the ways of God. And the best way to teach them sometimes is with words, but oftentimes is with your life. So we share similar callings as followers of Christ. In fact, you might even feel a specific calling from God. Maybe you've seen... Uh, whatever your calling is, maybe you've seen kids in the foster system and, and you say, you know what, I don't think that's okay with God and it's sure not okay with me. So you've opened your home up. Why? To show them the love of an earthly, godly family, but also love of a father that's in heaven who cares for them deeply. What's your calling specifically? Maybe you feel called us to step out and start some sort of business because you want people and employees to know what it's like to work in an affirming and uplifting and God-centered environment. And every person that would walk through your doors is served just as Christ served you on the cross. I don't know what your calling is. Maybe it's a stay-at-home parent. And the calling that God has given you is you're going to raise up your kids to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Maybe you're here and you don't know what that specific calling is. And that's okay, because here's what I do know. When God calls you to something, He'll make it clear. When He calls you to something, He will make it clear. But the truth is, God has called you to certain things in your life. But He's not only called you to it, He's also gifted you for it. He's gifted you for it. He's given you the means, right, to carry out the calling He's placed in your life. In Romans, it says this in chapter 12. You want to go there? Your candle will be on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. In His grace, God has given us different gifts. So we're not all gifted the same, but we're all gifted. God has given us different gifts for certain things to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift... Of showing kindness to others. Do it gladly. Paul is telling us. If you're a follower of Christ. God is giving you a gift. So do it. You already have it. God has given it to you. He's already given you this 2020 vision. You're called to it. You're gifted for it. And you know what? Others can see it. Others can see it. If you don't know what God has gifted you with, here's my encouragement for you. Ask somebody. Some of you have shown some gifts. And other people can see it in a heartbeat. That's a real good group discussion. Sunday school teachers, try that one week in your class. Hey, what do you see that God has gifted me with? Don't be afraid of the answer. What is it that I do? What, when, when you see God working, what do you see the, how do you see God working through me? Because God has left his thumbprint on your life. And what a great discussion even to have on your, the car ride home today w- with your spouse or even with your kids. Imagine that, having this conversation with your kids. Hey, this is, this is how I see God has gifted you. Get two or three friends together once in a while, maybe in a small group or a Bible study. And and you know what? Say, hey, you know what? Here's what we were talking about in church the other day. How do you see that God has gifted me? Because you already have it. And others can see it. The question is, what are you going to do with the gifting? Because Saul and David, we started out talking about these two guys. Saul and David ended up doing two drastically different things. And because of it, David was mentioned in the New Testament 60 times, my research says. But Saul? Not once. What are you going to do with the calling that God's placed on your life? So one of the next times Saul is mentioned in the Old Testament, in the Bible after being anointed king over Israel, Samuel has gathered the whole nation. So Israel gathered together... To publicly select who's going to be king. But here's the deal. Two people already know who's going to be selected. This is Saul's time. Samuel knows and Saul knows. He's already been anointed by Samuel to be the king. And and, and they know what's going to happen. So they pick the tribe that the king's going to come from. Whose tribe do they pick? Saul's tribe. They pick the clan. Whose clan do they pick? Saul's clan. It's Saul's family. They pick the individual. And here's what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21 and 22. And finally, they brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. and they, they, The family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, what? He had disappeared. So they asked the Lord where is he? And the Lord replied, one of the funniest verses in the Bible, he's hiding among the baggage. So Saul is selected. He knew he was called. Samuel visited him. He was gifted for it. Others could see it. Saul is selected to be king. And where is he? He's literally hiding among the baggage, the luggage that the people brought to gather together. They can't find him. The guy who's described as being head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel is hiding behind the baggage. It's, also, it's almost humorous. Can you see a pile of suitcases? And Saul's hiding behind the baggage. This big, huge guy who's called, he's gifted, everybody could see it, is asking the question, I'm not sure I have what it takes. Saul, it's your time. Where are you, bro? It's almost humorous that Saul, when it came time to fulfill his calling, was hiding behind the baggage. It's almost humorous, but we do the same thing. We're called to it. We're gifted for it. Others can see it, and yet we find ourselves hiding behind our baggage that's what the scripture says and how amazing is it that we do the same things we hide behind the baggage of our past god 2019 didn't go so well and i don't really want to step out in faith in 2020 god god that last marriage didn't work out so good and i don't know that i want to follow where you're calling me this year We hide in the baggage of our past. We hide in the baggage, among the baggage of our insecurity. God, I don't know enough about this. I don't know enough about that. I don't know scripture enough. I can't, I'm not going to teach that class, God. I don't know enough. I'm insecure. I don't get it. I haven't been a follower of Christ long enough to do what you've called me to do, God. We hide behind the baggage of our own insecurities, God, what if I step out and I fail? What does that say about me? More importantly, what would it say about you, God? Maybe it's not insecurity. Maybe it's the one I see often as as a pastor. Maybe you're hiding behind the baggage of busyness. God, I know you delivered me from addiction, and you've called me to help other people with addictions, but, you know, man, work is so busy. God, I know You've called me to help out in the youth program or help out with students on Sunday nights, but like my kids' sports, God, I'm busy. I am really busy right now. God, life is so busy. The baggage of busyness, or maybe the baggage is comparison for you. Maybe it's like, man, if I was more like them, or I was obviously gifted like they were. But here's the problem: we're buried and we're hiding in our baggage. And if we're buried in our baggage, we can't go where God wants to take us in 2020. If we don't leave our baggage behind, we won't be who God has called us to be. Even though we're called, we're gifted and others see it. I know this because I've almost missed it a few times wrestling with my calling early on and 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 god who have you called me to be as a follower of christ you've gifted me and you get this sense that god is calling you but the problem is god i know you're calling me to be a pastor i know you're calling me to preach your word but the problem is god i don't have what it takes I, i didn't do well in school god don't you know haven't you seen me my jump shot isn't what it was but my studies weren't either I began to compare myself to other people who were already doing what God has called me to do. But God, I don't have what it takes. But fortunately for me, and for you, others could see that. You do have what it takes. You've been called, you've been gifted, and others can see it. Here's the good news. Because you're called to it, you're gifted for it. Others can see it. So if you're struggling with the baggage in your life, the best thing you can do is surround yourself with... Up Hear me, church. The best thing you can do, if you're struggling with the baggage in your life, is surround yourself with other people who will speak truth into your life and say, you know what? God didn't call you to live among the baggage. He called you to step out because there's a different way. David responded way differently than Saul. And the next time David is mentioned in Scripture... After being anointed to be the king, he's showing up on the battle lines, and this is a familiar Sunday school story to all of you. He's showing up on the battle lines to deliver some dinner to his brothers. And while he was there, he saw that the Philistine army was challenging the people of Israel. And they were his people. He was called to save from the hands of the Philistines that were standing across the battle lines. He saw this this big champion, Goliath, challenge his people. David saw nobody respond. And here's what David, the little shepherd boy who didn't have what it takes, did in response. 1 Samuel chapter 17. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. David kind of looked at this guy and said, man, he's too big to hit. David looked at his heart and he said, you know what? He's too big to miss. And he did his thing and you know what happened after that. You see, when Saul was called to it and gifted for it, everybody else could see it. He hid in the baggage saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes But David stepped right up to the battle line, right? David stepped up for battle, not saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but God, take what I have. Because here's the deal. When we say, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, we're basing the outcome on our ability. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but when we say, God, just take what I do have. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, I got great news The war has already been won. Jesus Christ won the war on the cross. The war has been won. I can't promise you how the battle is going to go in life for you this year. But the good news of Jesus Christ is, whether you win the battle you're in currently or you lose, Jesus Christ has already won the war. I'm glad you amen that because I would have had to ask for one. David understood this truth, that being gifted, and make no mistake about it, if you're a follower of Christ, you are gifted, that you already have what you need. Being gifted means that you have something to give. Being gifted means that you already have something to give. And and if I was really transparent today, there are some days that I wake up in the baggage. And if you were honest with yourself, with me, and before God this morning, you would say the same thing. Some days you wake up in the baggage. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the husband you've called me to be today. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the father I know you want me to be today. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the pastor you've called me to be. But the outcome, thanks be to God, is not dependent upon me it's dependent on the one who is with me who's called me and the one who lives in me the spirit of god came powerfully upon david and the spirit of god if you're a follower of christ has come powerfully upon you as well he's already given you 2020 vision and he's gifted you for what he's called you to but here's my fear in this message right is that you would come to church or you would listen to this message online, you would hear this message and you would say, oh, pastor, great, awesome, more to do. I already want to lose seven pounds this year. I already want to do better at work this year. I want to spend more time at home. I want to be at every one of my kids' sporting events. I want to be the friend that I'm supposed to be to others. I've I, I got to figure out what my calling is now, more to do. And here's the problem with that. It's exhausting. But the good news of Jesus Christ wasn't brought to you to add something else into your life. And this is how kingdom living is a little different than just just regular life itself. The good news is Christ brings freedom into your life. When you understand that, and that you're gifted by God for a purpose, it actually brings about freedom in your life. Here's the freedom, the freedom from comparison. The freedom from comparison. I don't have to be him or her. It brings the freedom to celebrate other people's gifts. Hear me, church. When you're in conversation with people, be happy that someone is gifted in a way that they are. Don't compare yourself. That's freedom. Say, you know what, that's awesome that God has gifted them for this particular purpose. Gives you freedom to concentrate on what God has called you to. God hasn't made us awesome at everything. Newsflash. But he has made you gifted in some things. So like every single one of us has opened up those Christmas presents and had the feeling of, ah, I wish this was something else. Side note, gifts from my Wife and my kids this year, they nailed it. Back in line. But every one of us has looked at that and said, "You know what? I wish this was something different." And every one of us has looked in the mirror and said, "You know what? I wish there was something different about me." Sometimes I looked at the, look in the mirror and I go, "I'm not as spectacular, God, as what you did with that person or the other person. I, I, I'm not just not that spectacular." But don't confuse spectacular with significant. Because God has given you, you, a specific gift. And a significant gift to carry out the purpose that he has called you to in your life. And in 2020, here's what I know. It's that God will take that significant gift. And if you're willing willing to say... Being gifted means some I have something to give. So God, take what I have. He will take your significant gift. And he will write a spectacular story with your life. Because being gifted means you have something to give. I want to close with this, Randy. You're called to it. God will gift you for it. And other people will see it in you. If you're searching for it, what is that calling? What is that purpose? As I said, ask somebody. How do you see God using me? God's given you a certain a certain way that you're wired, as we like to put it, right? He's given you a certain personality. He's given you certain gifts and talents and abilities that the person sitting next to you on your row doesn't have. He specifically gifted you for a significant purpose. And if you answer that and you live in that, He will make something spectacular in your life. Would you stand? We'll take this all the way back. We'll pause, rewind, and hit play. We'll go all the way back to the beginning of the message. Not as far as that embarrassing picture. A little further than that. But what is God calling you to? Is 2020 going to look different than 2019? Are you going to be more involved in what God has gifted you for? The purpose that God has laid in your heart and you know that you know? Will you be more involved? Will you take that step? Maybe he's calling you to a certain ministry or a certain place in this world that says, you know what, I want you to serve me here. Maybe it's that specific. Maybe it's not that specific yet. Maybe it's uh, uh, taking the next step with him. Maybe you say, yeah, I've been in church a while. I know, I've known God and know the story and I, 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 I know God but I just haven't taken that sort of next step to live for him. Or maybe it's one step back from that and God is calling you to begin a life with him this very day. So with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, we reflect on what we've heard and I realize the words that have come off the screen and into the into the room and the words that are written in scripture have been said i also realize that what we've asked that the holy spirit translate those words to our hearts for what he has for us specifically and so whether you're present in this room or or catching this message online this morning Whenever you're listening to this, it doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit can go across the miles, can work in and out of the rows in this room, and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. I say this often because I mean it. I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking now because I stood where you stand. Reflecting, listening, ears open, heart open, mind open, ready to receive what God has for us. And if that's you this morning, this is a sacred moment. God will meet you where you are this morning, where you stand, right where you are. So as we pray this morning, ask the Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God, what are you calling me to? We're the ones who put, who, who put this restriction called time in our lives, right? We're the ones who decide that, that time is, is important. We're the ones who've come up with this idea of time. But in God's perspective, you know, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. It, time really doesn't matter to God. But as we cap off another 365 days and we go into 2020, if you can believe we're even saying that, I thought we'd have flying cars by now. But if as we go into 2020 and we say, God, what do you have for us this year? Well, I believe that we are part of a move of God and that God wants to do amazing things in and through this church and through his people that are gathered here this morning. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't say it. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be standing here. God's got amazing things. And I believe he's going to do over and above anything that we can think or imagine. But individually, he wants to work in your life. And so as we seek him this morning and as we pray, would we ask him, God, what are you calling me to? Show me, Lord, what you call me to. Have some other people pointed out in my life. And Lord, help me to realize the gift, and the gifting that you've given me already. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning. We come, Lord, expecting to hear from you through a message. And God, I know your Holy Spirit has delivered that message this morning. So God, help us to realize, Lord, it's, it's what we do with this calling and this gifting that really matters. Help us to, Lord, realize what this calling is. Help us to, to use that gifting, Lord, for kingdom building. God, maybe you're speaking to our hearts this morning and we need to answer the call to a relationship with you, to begin. To even hear that call and maybe that's you this morning that's hearing that call for the first time. And you're hearing that call from God in your heart and you know that you know that you know that God is calling you to a relationship with Him. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, in the presence of God, Praying to our creator. If you need to begin life with Jesus Christ this morning. Recognize that God sent him into this world. He was born, ministered in this world. Suffered a cruel death on a cross. For your sins and for mine. And he was raised on the third day that you would have eternal life. If that sounds like the life that you want to begin today with Jesus Christ, with nobody looking around, we don't want to embarrass you. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. It's been far too long. I'm responding to that this morning. I need to begin a life with Christ this morning. That's me. Just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I'll pray for you. I won't embarrass you. Maybe you would be honest enough and respond in a way, Lord, in a way that you would to the Lord this morning. Let's say, I'm ready for 2020. I'm responding to the calling. I I know Jesus, but I know that He's calling me to something in 2020. And you're responding to that call this morning. You heard what he had to say and the examples that he set in his word. And you're responding and you're saying, yes, God, I'm called. I believe you've gifted me and I'm going to look for the other people to point it out. And Lord, I will respond. If that's you, slip your hand up and say, that's me. Pastor, I'm responding. Amen. I'm responding to that call. Amen. I know you've gifted me and I'm going to do what you gifted me to do this year. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Amen see you in the back praise the lord god you've seen those responses this morning and i pray lord that you would now provide a way show them the people who have had the guts to say i'm going to respond and i'm going to live for jesus and i'm going to do what he has called me to do god would you give those that have raised their hand the strength to do that The encouragement, Lord, surround the people with other folks, Lord, that live for you and that can encourage and speak life into their situations, Lord, that they might be changed because they decided to serve you. God, that's how it works. We see it time and time again. The the more we commit to you and the more we serve you, the more Christ-like we become. So, Father, would you put people in our midst, Lord, that we would come across that that no more than us, that are gifted in different ways, that we can learn from and we can glean truth from and hear from you, Lord, through them, that we share the same Holy Spirit, Lord, with other believers, and that, Lord, they would speak into our lives. We will give you the praise, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for each and every person that is gathered in this place. Help us, Lord, to realize that none of us are here by accident. Use the words that were used by this vessel and translated by the Holy Spirit. Use those words, Lord, that we might take them from this place and impact a lost and dying world that needs to see the light in a dark place. They need to see your light, Jesus. Might we shine that light into this world? We can go out, Lord, into the marginalized and to the downtrodden and the confused and the depressed and the hurting. And we can shine the light into that darkness of your hope, your promises, Lord, and your life everlasting. Go with us, Lord, as we go from this place. May we stay closer to you than ever in 2020. Well, thank you, Lord, for giving us 2020 vision, equipping us with everything that we need to fulfill the calling that you have for our lives. Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.